Well, this morning I want to do part three on Christ in you. And uh, kind of over the course of several weeks here as I've gotten a chance in uh, speaking, the first part was called Christ in you, the expectation of glory. How many people remember the expectation or the hope of glory from Colossians? And then there was Christ in you, thinking the thoughts of God and how God's thoughts actually as He lives in us can become our thoughts. And this morning I want to talk to you about Christ in you, the key to holiness. The key to holiness. Because I was thinking about that scripture in Hebrews, uh, let's see, Hebrews the 12th chapter that says, make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And I remember even hearing Todd say he was talking about all the resurrections from the dead, you know, that have happened over the past couple of months. And he was saying that, you know, if we really want to see God pour out in a massive revival in America, it's not going to happen without holiness. You know, and there was a man from Argentina, a father of revival, who was preaching and imparting the grace of holiness to the body there. And um, so anyway, this is just, I think, a real critical key. However... I believe many times holiness has been preached incorrectly in the church and with a lot of Christians, even some of you probably sitting here this morning, when you think about holiness or becoming like Jesus, you think about a lot of things that you need to do. You think about a list of things that you personally need to do to make yourself or become more like Jesus or be more holy. And I'm just, I'm just telling you here this morning that I think that's missing the boat a little bit if it's taken from the right angle. It's like one of those things that you can come at from two different directions. If you come at it from one direction, you get off just slightly on it. Now I want to remind you, several weeks ago, Byron said this. He said, God wants to make the body of Christ the envy of the world instead of the joke or the laughing stock of the world. You remember that? And uh, I just felt like if we're going to see such a major shift happen, we need a real revelation of who we are, that we're possessors and carriers of a living Christ in us. Even, even possessing His power, Romans 8.11, even possessing His thoughts, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and even possessing the character of holiness, the holy character of Christ within us. How many people believe that? So I really believe that the Lord, the Lord, not me, not my words, but the Lord wants to set some people free this morning. He wants to set you into a freedom of living with Jesus that maybe you've never known, honestly. And I know myself, I lived for many years actually as a Christian under somewhat of a yoke of feeling like I never measured up. Feeling like I could never pray enough. I could never read the Bible enough. I wanted to see revival, but I just couldn't spend four hours a day on my knees like Evan Roberts, you know, or whatever. All these stories that you hear. If you really want revival, then if you pray for four hours, then revival will come. You know, I want to say that's not how it works. Revival comes, then you pray for four hours because the grace is there to pray for four hours. You know what I'm saying? See, it's, it's backwards a little bit. So maybe something's resonate with you this morning as, as I even mentioned that. The, the text here is Galatians 2.20 and 21, which is a popular verse, powerful verse, where Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, 
but it's Christ lives in me. There it is. Christ in you. The hope of glory. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Or as Byron has taught us many years ago, in the faith of. It's more properly translated the faith of the Son of God. Now think about that for a minute. That's a huge difference. It's different to believe, yeah, I've got the faith in Jesus than I've got the faith of Jesus. His faith is actually imparted to me. I live in His faith. Isn't that a big deal? Like the, the power to raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons? You need a lot of faith for that, right? Well, it's not your faith. It's the faith of Jesus. It lives in you. You read it in the Bible. You see that Jesus can do it. But somewhere we miss that we can really do it. Well, how can we do it? Because the faith of Jesus lives inside of us. For if righteousness... Oh, wait, let me back up. Who loved me and gave himself for me, in verse 21, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. I was talking to a person this week. We were, I was actually praying through some things with him. And... The, one of the first things that this person said to me was, I just don't want to read the Bible anymore. I just don't, I'm not getting anything. You know, it's dry. My prayer time is crummy. You know, I come to church and I just feel like an outsider looking in and, you know, all these things. And you know what I felt like the Lord had me to say to him? This might shock you. I said, well, stop then. Just quit it all. Stop reading the Bible. Stop trying to pray. Stop, stop, stop. And just be. Wait on the Lord. And He will renew your strength. What's that song? Something comes as I wait on the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We'll wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. I just declare... Strength will rise as you wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. See, I just wanted to tell this person, listen, just be with Him. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to. And as you do that, you get to. You know, as you do that, a little verse comes to mind that sparks a little something. You're like, oh my gosh, I've got to read the whole book of Philippians now. This is so awesome. But before it was like, I've got to read the book of Philippians. Well, that's where I am in my daily devotions, you know. And you know the difference. How many people know what I'm talking about? Just stop it. Just quit it all. And just be with Him. Go out and take a hike in the woods or something. Sit on a log and don't pray. Just listen. Actually, that's prayer. So I'm kind of contradicting myself. Go out in the woods and just sit there. Here I am, Lord. You're so awesome. I believe God, even while Becky was speaking, He would have us to dwell on the goodness of God, not on the commands of God. I believe that's much more important to God is to dwell on His goodness because that goodness gives us such a love for His commands. Such a vision, you know, such a vision for these guys. Oh, that's why, you know. It does lead us to repentance. The goodness of God leads us to repentance. So here's the main point 
I'm just going to get to the conclusion right now. Not that I'm done. <laughs> but here's the main point. Just as being born again is a work of God that we freely receive by faith. Yeah, everybody knows. You seek by grace through faith, right? This not of yourselves so that anybody can boast. So also is holiness. The technical definition for it is sanctification. You know, so also is holiness. It comes through grace, by faith, by receiving it, and just being with Him. After all, folks, isn't this a relationship? This is a relationship. I don't think we can get that enough sometimes. And here's why. Because there's a spirit. There's a demonic religious spirit that is actively fighting that in all of our minds, right? How many people have ever woken up in the morning and your first thought is just like, oh, man, I forgot to read my Bible. And like, it's just like this dread. It's like this heaviness. And you're just like, you don't even know where to go in your devotion time with the Lord if you have time for it. You know, and, you, and somehow you, it's like this orphan spirit. It's like this rejection. It's like this feeling of you don't measure up. You're not good enough. You're not as holy as Byron. You know, and, and whatever it is, you'll never achieve. And it's all a lie. It's all the work of the one who came to steal, kill, and destroy. That's not just our health. That's our spiritual vitality. Because after all, if he just like kills my body, for example, that's just one person. But if he can kill my spiritual vitality, then I cannot reproduce into other people and the kingdom of God cannot spread. You know what I'm saying? The enemy is active. In, with all of us, really. It's just trying to come, find those little open doors. And then every time we give agreement to that, then we open up a little you know, space. <laughs> a little glimmer of hope for the enemy to get right on in there. As you call them landing strips. Well, this morning we're going to break those things off. Isn't that exciting? Because here's... I was looking at this. In September of 2002, Byron began to preach messages on the gospel of grace. On grace. And for six solid months, he preached nothing but grace. Continual revelation of grace. How many people were around for that? September 2000. It was an incredible, it was a defining moment in this church, our six months, not just a moment. It absolutely was. And he, I had this statement written down. He said, this church is a church that is founded upon grace. He's like, tear everything else down that we've constructed. You've got to start with a building at the foundation. If that's not right, none of the rest of the building will be. He said, and our foundation is grace. And that's what we're building on. So, you know, Paul continually reminds the Galatians, which is a whole group of churches in Asia Minor, not just one church. He says, he's kind of like, just to paraphrase, take a grace check. Like, where are you exactly in grace? Because there's these spirits coming, and I've already seen some of your actions. I've already seen some of the things you're doing and thinking. He's like, it's not right. This is not the gospel. This is not what I presented to you is the gospel of Christ. You've fallen from grace. You've even been bewitched. Bewitched. It's almost like witchcraft is, is fighting against you to get under this law and this list. Just give me the principles and I'll do those. It's a relationship. It's not principles. Whose marriage is founded on rules? 
You know, like at 6.02 p.m., you will come home from work and talk to me about your day. You know, it's like nobody lives like that. I mean, if you do, your marriage is in serious jeopardy. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Is everybody okay? (laughs) Actually, the letter to the churches in Galatia was actually the battle cry for the Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther. This, this book that we're going to look at here. And it's like the Declaration of Independence of Spiritual Liberty for All Time. So, I mean, if you need a greater grace revelation, just go back and, in grace, immerse yourself. I believe the Lord will spark something. Immerse yourself in Galatians. In Galatians, the book of Galatians. The Lord will really speak to you. So let's open up there this morning and uh, see what the Holy Spirit has to say. Is everybody okay? Good, good. Because, uh, man, this is such a key revelation in times of revival and awakening, too. Because what happens is God moves and men mess it up by, like, making it a form. You know, and you've got to do this and you've got to do it this way. And it becomes the rule. And it's not in the Bible. You know, it's like, it's like you got to do it this way. And then they're like trying to get the people, they're manipulated, try to do this, do this. And, the people, and God's moved on. You remember how Byron preached, was it last week, on the three levels of the river? Or actually, the four levels? It's like the river, when the river's ankle deep, God's doing something. When it's knee deep, He's doing something else. When it's waist deep, He's doing something else. But if it's waist deep... And all the leaders and even some of the people are like, we got to do what the ankle deep, what, how it was then. Then you really get into some difficulties. You fall out of some grace areas in your ministry and in your life. You know, so you really got to be careful with that in revival and what God's doing. As wonderful as all those levels are. All right, let's start in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from Him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Listen to this definition of called. The word called is used to invite or to summon and is especially used of God's call to participate in the blessings of the kingdom, the unseen realm, the spirit world. Isn't that awesome? So, you're turning from this, in the grace of Christ, to a different gospel. Which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But I'm saying, even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, then what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. By the way, I think that's a little tongue-in-cheek. I don't think an angel from heaven is actually going to preach another gospel to you. He's just trying to make a point here. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. Um, He talks about in verse 6 how people have turned. So, 
he seems to be indicating here that many receive their salvation by grace, as I said, through faith, and then try to do the rest themselves. Like, okay, I'm saved, now here's what I need to do. And unfortunately, there's a lot of messages preached along that line. Because, you know, in Ephesians 2, 8 and 10, there's that verse that I mentioned, by grace, through faith. Um, it's interesting, I was reading a commentary here about the Judaizers, who is what Paul is addressing here. They were legalists that came into the church. And here's what he says here. He says, the legalists in the church, called Judaizers, taught that certain Old Testament laws were still binding upon Christians. I mean, you've got to imagine for 2,000 years since Abraham, they had been doing it a certain way. There were certain rules to follow certain standards, certain modes, certain patterns, like, and certain things that you had to do physically. And all of a sudden, this guy, who actually was one of the top Judaizers until he came to Christ, began to preach something different, this thing called grace. So to the Judaizers' defense, this was a huge stretch. This was a major paradigm shift. You know what I'm saying? But it was the Lord. God had moved on. It was the new covenant. So they taught that certain Old Testament laws were still binding, even on Christians. They reasoned that God's promises extended only to Jews and that Gentiles must be circumcised before they could fully experience salvation. The Judaizers did not deny that faith in Jesus was necessary, but instead that it was inadequate. One must add to faith observance of the law. So, you know, there's this Jerusalem council in Acts, I think it's chapter 15, where Paul takes this issue to Peter and the other apostles. And they make a decision about this, and basically they defend Paul's position. And they say, yeah, this is absolutely the gospel that the Lord Jesus taught. Of course, you need to stay away from sexual immorality, you know, and some other things that are going to defile the body. But the bottom line is, Christ has set us free from the restrictions and the stranglehold of the law. Because it ultimately leads to death. If all you're trying to do is follow some principles, follow some rules without a relationship, it leads to rebellion. It, it just leads to death spiritually for you. I want to just take a side note here. This isn't on the screen, but in Ezekiel 36, 26, if you've got your Bible, just flip over there real quickly. There's such a key reflection um, of the New Testament, the New Covenant, Ezekiel 36, 26. Here's what Ezekiel prophesied. This is like the Lord speaking through him. Way back, thousands of years, you know, hundreds of years before Jesus. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And then listen to what else. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. In, a, in the NIV it says you'll take delight in following my decrees. I mean, isn't that what you experienced? Like, I know I did. Like, I grew up my whole life up to age 19 in the church. 
Good church, good stuff. Hearing all these things. But what I heard was rules. What I heard was this... Not that they were preaching that. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that's the way I was receiving it. But then when I was enlightened through the born-again encounter with Christ, according to John 3, it was like, oh, that's not what it's about at all. It's like all of a sudden, I didn't want to do all this stuff, and I wanted to do what was right, just like that. But see, what we do is we try to help God out a little bit. Like we get a new believer in here, and okay, great, you've been saved. Now... Let's talk about what you're listening to. Let's talk about, you know, your, your clothing. Let's talk, you know, whatever it is. And I'm saying, I think, I mean, I'm for discipleship. And in, according to the Spirit, we can help people. Okay, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But I'm saying the work of God is able to, to sanctify as well as to save. Amen? Galatians 2. Let's go back to Galatians. Verse 16. Galatians 2 verse 16 says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law no flesh shall be justified. Now let me pause here for a moment. That word justified means an instantaneous legal act of God in which, number one, a person, or God, I'm sorry, God thinks of our sins as forgiven and Christ's righteousness as belonging to us. And number two, it declares us to be righteous in His sight. So not only is it forgiven, but He also sees us as His own Son. And secondly, we're considered to be in right standing in His sight. Bam, the moment of justification. The moment that we come into His kingdom. This is something that God Himself does. Of course, through our wills, we have to cooperate. You know, we have to give Him permission. Okay, there is a cooperation that occurs here in this, this setting. But it's very much a work of God because those whom He called, He, everybody say He, He also what? Justified. Paul says, well, let's go on in verse 19 of chapter 2. For I, for I, through the law, died to the law, that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. So, if I, do, if I do set aside the grace of God and try to do it all by myself, Christ died in vain. I'm almost rejecting the work that Christ did. Because I can follow these ten rules on whatever and do it myself and I'll be okay. It's really just stamping on the work of Christ, His blood, His body that was broken. Because He's already paid it all. It's a relationship, not a set of rules. I'm not fully accepting the sacrifice of His blood and His stripes made for me. 
when I do that. The last point comes in Galatians 3. And I want to start in verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians. <laughs> Calling them fools. Pretty strong language there. Even an exclamation point. Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Did you get born again by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Everybody say begun. begun. Having begun, having been reborn according to the Spirit, are you now being made perfect? Everybody say perfect. Everybody say holy. Everybody say sanctified. By what? The flesh? No, 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 no. That's not how it works, Paul says. Verse 4. Have you suffered so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. Therefore, he who supplies, he supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles. Here's a great thing for all of those who love miracles, the working of miracles. It's right there in Galatians 3, 5. Among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Like, are you trying to follow some formula to get somebody healed? You know, or to perform some miracle? That's not how it works. It's not work by rules, by the law. It works by faith. By believing that the faith of Jesus is in me. It's in you. That's how it works. And then you just release it. You know, sometimes I think the words, we can get too trippy on that. You know? And then he goes on to use Abraham as an example in verse 6. Let's read this. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So he's referring to Genesis there. Therefore, know that, not, that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying... In you all the nations shall be blessed. Remember, these are mainly Gentile Christians up there in the region of Galatia. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Isn't that interesting? He uses the word curse. And then he said, are you being bewitched? You know, it's almost like it's such a strong demonic pull that it's like witchcraft. You know, it's like that strong, I think, is the reason he's using that language. Verse 11, But that no one is justified by the law on the side of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us, this is where it gets exciting, from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it's written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So He took the curse of the law so that we wouldn't have to. He took the full wrath of God. I was thinking about that recently. Has anybody ever felt like God was mad at him? He might have been. <laughs> you know... Well, think about this. Even before you were born again, 
Even before you were saved, Jesus Himself came, lived a sinless life, and then, being completely without fault, was crucified. You've seen the pictures, you've watched the movie, The Passion. He went through all that, but that was the easy part. The hard part was that the full wrath of God, the wrath that I deserve and that you deserve because we're not perfect, we have done all sorts of wickedness, it was poured out on Him on this one man who was used to complete unrestricted access, you know, open heaven. I mean, I only see what the Father doing. I mean, he was used to that. Cut off. Wrath. Darkness. All poured on him in those moments of, in that pain. Completely cut off. But what's beautiful about that is he did that in order that we could not be called slaves, but sons. In order that the wrath would be turned from you to Him in that time so that we could receive the open heaven, the open communication. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Amen? Alright, I'm going to wrap this up. Verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Having begun in the Spirit, he said, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? In other words, you were saved when God passionately pursued you and called you and created a new heart in you through His initiative. And now, you're trying to make yourself holy through your own self-effort. Enough of that. Just stop it all. Let me conclude with one more scripture in Ephesians just in case this isn't enough weight of evidence, because you might be like, well, Matthew, that's just the book of Galatians. Let's see some other evidence. And I'm sorry, this isn't on the screen. But in Ephesians 3, here it is, in verse 16, Ephesians 3:16, Paul says to them, that He would grant you, He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in your inner man, in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's a lot, isn't it? Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think according to the power that raised Christ from the dead, dunamis power that works in you, in us, to Him be the glory. To Him be the praise in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> Let's stand up. I got a song that I want. I want. Um, it was that Jen Johnson song, Andy, that I want to play on the thing um, that that you were talking about earlier just um, felt like the Lord while I was sitting there was connecting all these things that he was saying and I really feel like the Holy Spirit is just emphasizing that relationship with the Lord this yeah. morning and his love for us 
And then he was reminding me I was woken up in the middle of the night last night and because Judah came into my room and he was afraid and had that fear thing going. And it, because we had been talking earlier that day about this person that the Lord had warned them of something that was going to happen. And it really did happen. But the difference in that person is they didn't have fear. It was just, you know, Andy talked about Elijah and their tree falling on their house and the glory of the Lord just being all over his voice when he spoke. And But Judah came in the middle of the night last night and said, I'm afraid I woke up and he he heard this thing, you know, immediately of something that was going to happen, you know. But there was fear all in him, you know. And, I, and he said, how do I know if it's the Lord or the devil? And I said, well, this is the thing. When the Lord speaks to you, it is not going to bring fear right. to you. There's not going to be fear. Right. And, and, I heard, and then I was realizing the Lord was saying, perfect love casts out all fear. And I just was feeling like the Lord is really wanting us to deliver us from fear. And what He's wanting to emphasize is that relationship mm-hmm. with Him, like what you're mm-hmm. talking about, and the Holy Spirit... You know, us really just being with Him and allowing the love of the Lord to really settle in our hearts that we know we're loved, we know we're wanted, we know that we're loved, we know that we were, are wanted, and we know that, that He says over us, this is my son, this is my daughter, and who I am well pleased, that that would be settled in us and that the fear would be cast out, mm-hmm. that all fear, because yeah. I was saying to Judah, Judah, it's love that casts out all fear, and He is love. God is love. You know, so I just believe this morning that that is really something that the Holy Spirit's just wanting to release, is that relationship, getting back to the fact that it's a relationship with Him that is really with the core of what this is, and that He wants to release downloads of revelation of His love for us yeah. and cast out all that fear like Becky was talking about. So if, that's, if you just need some things broken off of you this morning, I just want you to come up here and we're just going to pray and believe for God to just bring some freedom for some people that, you know, you just weigh down. And, you know, I mean, really, in, to an extent, it's, it's kind of all of us from time to time. And, um, and then also, um, the, what was that thing that... Anxiety, yeah, what which really is bred by me. So, amen. Come on up, and what if you need to go, you can be dismissed.